Welcome back. This is episode six of the podcast Broken, the suspicious death of Aladar and the end of horse racing's golden age. I am your host, Denise Cueto. And I'm the author of the book, Fred Cray. The news this week is that Thoroughbred Daily News did a book review on my book, which they entitled Aladar's Counselor-in-Chief, which I thought was such a cool title. That is cool. And they gave it a good review. So uh, I'm very happy about that. I think that may be the first actual review by a mainstream horse periodical or internet place. And so that was great. Uh, You know, it's great to get a good review from anywhere. Oh, and I also found out that the Florida Bar is going to review my book in its September, October issue of the Florida Bar Journal, which... That's a big deal. Well, I like it because, you know, there's a lot of courtroom stuff in the Mm -hmm. the book, and I think lawyers would enjoy that. So we'll have to wait and see if the review is any good. (laughs) They could ban it for all I know. And they don't just publish any... Anything. So no, they don't. They don't. And they're pretty they, selective. Yeah. So, you know, I couldn't be happier. This has all, all been, you know, very surprising and organic. It's it's amazing. That's wonderful. So last episode, we left off with John Ward describing how the injury could have been sustained. Yes. Is there anything more to say about that and about him? Well, John Ward was another great guy. You know, he was the trainer of Kentucky Derby winner Monarcos. As he said, he grew up around horses. He lived down the street from Calumet. One of the reasons he was chosen to take over Calumet was because he knew the farm and was from that area. He's a big part of this because he's the one who came and took over. And he's the one who, in both trials, testified about Calumet's financial condition and how Lundy would take money from horses that Calumet sold for himself. Uh, all the spending they had on the two jets, the $50 million that they spent on uh, Magambo and Secreto. And, you know, the question of whether uh, Lundy secreted any money away uh, from all of this, these transactions. He also found out that, you know, a lot of what Lundy did was off the books and there would be verbal agreements made. And when it came down to the bankruptcy or it came down to who had, you know, a breeding right or who, whatever, there'd be four people who said they did but none of them wouldn't have a piece of paper. He's a very smart guy, and the, and the idea that he came up with that Aladar, uh, I mean, he looked at the, I sent him the x-rays. The explanation he gave in the last show was really the first time ever that anyone had come up with any kind of intentional act that could have caused it. And when you look at his theory, it's the exact theory that Dr. Bramlage had, except it's on the other side of the stall where you can open and close the door. And so whatever Bramlage had to say about the mechanics of how Aladar broke his leg apply to John Ward's theory as well, because he's got the, the hoof caught over there. The only difference is, is that somebody's controlling that door to open and close it. Right. And so it, it's, to me, it's, it explains, number one, why there's no damage on the door, because the hoof is outside the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the horse didn't have to kick to get outside of the door. And that's why there's no markings on the door itself. The only problem with John Ward's um, theory is that it takes between five and 10 minutes for the horse to break his leg because he has to struggle. And John Ward himself said, you know, it, it's a very cruel and terrible way for this to happen. But I think, you know, I think his his theory and the crowbar theory are two, you know, interesting theories. And the reason I don't put John Ward's first is that I think that whoever did this was in a hurry and they wouldn't want to wait around for five or 10 minutes for the, for this injury to happen. 
They'd want to, they want to do it and get out. Right. Yeah. John Ward was such a great interview. He was humble. He was smart. He looked at the x-rays. He, I mean, he, he had looked at the stall. His theory is up there. Yeah, I agree. I think that both Veach and Ward, what they had to say, really add credence to the theory that this was intentional. Oh, yeah. Well, neither one of them thought it was an accident. Right. If you read the book and you go through all the evidence, I think that you can make your own determination. I don't want to ruin the book. But, <laughs> but I, think, I think what I will say is that there was tremendous pressure on everyone involved in this, including Tom Dixon, to not want to find this to be intentional because what an awful story that is for horse racing, that somebody would kill a horse for the insurance money. There were people that were involved in, in his care that evening who refused to consider an intentional injury because they just didn't think people were capable of doing that. And when they went to court, they were cross-examined. They said, you know, you think this was an accident? Yes, you just can't envision anybody doing this on purpose, can you? No, I can't. Right. So one of my favorite people in all of this is John Beach. Um, And just listening back on the episodes your interview with him, he's a character. Tell us a little bit more about him. How did you come to get in contact with him? What was that like? Well, obviously you knew that he was Aladar's trainer and he was also very old school. So if you look at pictures in the winter circle for some of the races, I know there's some up on my website, you know, it's muddy. It's, you know, the horse is dirty. The, the jockey's full of, you know, mud from being kicked up. And John Veach is there in a jacket and tie, completely clean, you know, and he was very old school, very polite. What we do know about him is that, you know, he his father was a trainer and he went out early and he was hired at a very young age by Calumet. Yes, go ahead. All right. So um, what I'd like to, to talk about is, is, you know, everybody talks about and I believe that Aladar was murdered for the insurance money, but there's a lot, there's not a lot of information about how it could have been done. Have you ever thought about that? I've, yes, I have thought about it uh, extensively, and uh, and talked to some people that you know were uh, not involved particularly, but you know were at the farm at the time, and uh, and there's a lot of speculation. There is, but when I started this, I, you know, I wondered how it could have been done, and obviously the prosecutor hired a guy from MIT to come in and look at the bracket and look at all that stuff. But did you ever, you know, get a sense of what you thought happened? Well, yes, I I, I thought uh, extensively about why it happened, and uh, I think the question is is why it happened uh, and not how it happened. What 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 it really comes down to me is that Allegard was insured for a great deal of money. The investigation into his death was very, very short-lived. Yeah. And I think Lloyds of London uh, basically paid it out. And I think that some relation to J.T. Lundy was involved in the insurance end of it. Yes, Kathy uh, Jones was the insurance agent, and she was the broker. She basically handled all of Calumet's insurance. It was done for the insurance money. Yeah, uh, to me... The, the problem with this, the story that, that J.T. Lundy is trying to sell is that there's no physical evidence. 
if the if that well, horse the if the horse got his leg outside first of all it's his right hind leg it's hard to understand how a horse's right hind leg gets out the left hand side of the door i mean just just physically that seems very hard unless he has to turn himself a certain way but if he did that the door would have to come down on top of his leg and he would have to drag his hoof across the stall wall to try and get it back in and there's no evidence of any of that what it came down to at the very end of Aladar's life he was the only value he had for Calumet Farm because he had been so oversubscribed and, was, uh, yeah. and oversold yeah. is, is the insurance money yeah no I and uh, and I thought that, that uh, I had been or been told that in, in speculation that that amount of money was hopefully going to make Calumet Farm solvent again but it wasn't enough well, what happened was John Ward came in for the bank. He thought, you know, that the debt was $40 million. And when he got in there, he found out it was $120 million, And they just said, well, the only step we can take is bankruptcy. And that's when that all started to happen. Yeah. Uh, I do know that uh, when, when Lucille Markey died, the estate, the farm was paid for, the horses were all paid for, and that there were $73 million that came to the Wright family through their the investments and whatever. Uh, so there was a huge amount of cash for Bertha Wright and her family and J.T. Lundy, which they squandered. And, uh, yeah. and, and of course, I knew that it took about a million dollars a year to maintain the farm from a standpoint of maintenance. And most of that money from a standpoint of maintenance came not from Lucille Markey, but also but from the, uh, from the trust yeah. in Chicago. And that it, any major repairs uh, or upgrades to the farm at the time came from, from that money and not out of Lucille's Markey's money, although she was exceptionally wealthy on her own right. Yeah. So basically the, the reason for Aladar being killed was to get the insurance money. The basic question about Aldar's death is, was it accidental or was it intentional? And everything else revolves around that. You know, if it was an accident, then Lloyds of London and, and Gold Eagles should have paid their $41.5 million, and, and that should have been the end of it. But there were a lot of information that came out slowly after Calumet's bankruptcy, the, particularly the financial picture, started to emerge and then during the trials, there was a lot of testimony that raised eyebrows about things that happened with reference to the time that Aladar died. So it came out in the trial that a week before Aladar died, somebody in the Calumet Crown Vic told Cowboy Kip to take the night off. And that very night, Aladar's injured. That's the first question that people had. You know, the second question was, right before Aladar died, Golden Eagle had written... Calumet saying, we're not going to renew your $5 million insurance policy. No one knew it at the time, but there were, they were in terrible financial trouble. They had uh, missed their loan payments. They had not paid their insurance premiums. The state of Kentucky had, you know, filed an, a lien for over a million dollars of taxes they didn't pay. And so all this stuff w was not necessarily known, but it was all happening. And uh, as these facts started to come out, even though the insurance company had paid all that money, I think people started to wonder about it right away. That right away, when you have somebody paying $41.5 million for a horse to kick their stall door, you, you just wonder, hmm, all the horsemen I talk to, 
not the not the veterinarians, but the horsemen all questioned it. They all said, I never believed that story. And it seems to me if you crystallize the the accident versus intentional theories that it seems to me that the veterinarians came down on the accident side and the horsemen came down on the intentional side. And it remains that way to this day. Whatever happened was, was a setup. It was planned and executed. They had a the, week to plan it because they told the night watchman to take the night off that they, night. Take the day off, yes. Now, why would they do that? The regular night watchman's name was Cowboy Kip. A week before November 13th, 1990, someone in a Calumet car comes up to him while he's you know getting ready to start his night watchman duty and says... Hey, you look burned out. We think you need to take a take a night off. And Cowboy Kip says, "Well, I'm not tired, and I, I don't want to take the night off." Huh. And they say, "You know, you know how it is. That people say, well, we think you should take the night off.' You get the message. They want you to take the night off. So he says, "Okay, I'm not going to make any waves. I'll take the night off." Now, this was testified to under oath by Cowboy Kip when it went to trial. So this isn't something that somebody just heard or said or anything like that. Right. So he takes the night off and who takes his place is a guy who works with the brood mares and his name is Alton Stone. So Alton Stone takes over for Cowboy Kip on Tuesday, November 13th, 1990. And that just happens to be the night that Aladar gets hurt. Now, the other interesting thing that you have to understand is that it used to be months before this, that Calumet had a person that sat in the stallion barn all night to watch the stallions. Why? Because Aladar's insured and Secreto and Capote were purchased for between 30 and 50 million. So you have the potential of having $86 million worth of stallions in a barn where nobody's there for an hour while the night watchman makes his rounds. There are some people that believe that Alton Stone was involved in this. He, he was the guy who uh, allegedly found the horse first. And the, the question about that is, you know, was he in, was he there? Did he, you know, he went to trial and was convicted. Right, and, he went uh, to jail for that. Yes, he went to jail for that. And he's given many different statements, even to Tom Dixon. All the, the stories he gives are, are very different. They're very different. But he, you know, I've talked to him, and he will not give me a statement now. But what I get from him is a guy who was put in place because they knew he was didn't know what he was doing. Correct. And they could take advantage of his... Inability. He was not a night watchman. He was a broodmare groom. So you've got a guy in there who is there because he's not going to notice what the normal night watchman notices. I've heard all kinds of theories, and I've talked to you know people have, have come to me and uh, and said you know this is how it happened. This is who did it. To give you an idea of what came to my mind is you take a horse like Al or any horse, you tranquilize him, you anesthetize or block. Uh, the area that you're going to do some damage to or try to heal, whether it be Novocaine or Lidocaine or whatever, and then wrap a blanket around a horse's leg and take an axe or a, or a sledgehammer mm -hmm. and smash the leg. That to me is seems, to me it would be very difficult to do. But anyway, I'm sure that there was something done, or I, I hate to use the word sure, but something was done artificially to break that horse's leg. And the hypothesis that he got his leg stuck in that door, knowing the history of Calumet Farm, knowing the history of that stallion barn, having worked around those doors and seen how they operate, and knowing the demeanor of, of Aligar, it was done for the insurance money. Now, I will say something that did not come out in the trial, which should have, 
okay. is, is that over the decades that Calumet had some of the greatest racehorses in history and had returned to the farm at Stud, they had been in that stallion barn, and it, it was the same stallion barn that Bull Lee was in, yeah. that Aldar was in, and Citation, and Whirl Away, and all the, all and the, the horses. And there was never an incident where a horse kicked the stall door and dislodged it. Those yeah. doors were so heavy and so well-constructed and so well-engineered. It was amazing that, that I found out later on that just as soon as Aladar was uh, removed and sent to the hospital to be operated on, J.T. Lundy authorized somebody at the farm to go in there and paint the, the stall. There are a lot of theories out there because of the lack of witnesses as to what could have happened. And a big part of this book is looking at the evidence and looking at the different theories and analyzing them and taking them apart and seeing if there are any flaws to them. Well, that's right. I mean, uh, the first question that is addressed when the doctors and uh, the insurance adjusters are out there is, was this injury an intentional injury or an accidental injury? And of course, that is the question. If it's an accidental injury, everybody will get paid their insurance money and there'll be no stain on horse racing. And everybody will go on and say, oh, we're so sad that he had an accident, but it happens. If it's an intentional situation. It's a lot more difficult for everybody because what that means is that if Dr. Bramlage comes in and he finds that this is an intentional accident, then that means that Calumet does not get paid. That means that the people who insured their breeding rights don't get paid. And it means that someone made a plan to intentionally hurt Aladar to get the insurance money, which would then put Dr. Bramlage in a situation where Calumet would hire lawyers saying, oh no, it was an accident. And you'd have this big dispute about, over the, the question of whether it was intentional or whether it was accidental. The second question is, if you do find that it's intentional, there are five or six different theories that come out of my investigation on how that intentionality was expressed in the manner in which Aladar was injured. As I talked to a lot of farmhands, I would say that none of the people that worked on the farm or were grooms believe that it was an accident because they're, you know, and particularly people around, you know, I talked to Michael Coulter, who was the, the Aldar's groom at the time the incident occurred. And he absolutely didn't think it was an accident. He was there the next very next day. He saw no evidence of, no physical evidence of anything that you could attribute a horse kicking, you know, a stall door and breaking his leg, whether it was caught in the stall wall or whether it was a direct kick. My name's Fred Cray, yours, Michael David Coulter. Yes, sir. And we're here January 6th. 6th. your house. When did you hear about the accident? When I walked in the door that morning. That's the next day, the 14th. The next, the next morning, yes. Right. Six o'clock out and was sitting there at the canteen waiting on us. And when we walked through the door and, uh, you know, you could tell something was wrong. I asked him, so what's up? And yeah. he said, JT, won't y'all come and get the, or he called him Mr. Lundy, said, he wants you to come and get the horses out of the barn. Said, Aladar's had an accident and they want to leave the lights out, keep get the horses out as calm as possible and, and get it done. When did you first hear 
how the accident happened. Went out and was telling us. What was the description of how he broke his leg? Did he? See, he, he didn't really know. He, honestly, he, he said, I don't know. He said, I don't, well, he kicked the wall or what? Kicked the door, but he said the door bracket was broke. Okay. And so he, he was assuming that he kicked the door. Okay. So you were traveling under the assumption that Aladar merely kicked the door and broke his cannon. Right. Bone, correct? Right. Yes? Yes. Did he tell you how long he left the horse by himself? They said he was probably gone an hour. Uh, said he had made the rounds around all the things, uh, around the barns, and went and got something to eat. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's normal. We'd, you know, you make your rounds and everything. There was a restaurant just a little piece down the road, and we'd go down there and get us something to eat and come back to the barn yeah. and eat it. So, that, when we night watched, our thing was we were supposed to be based out of the stallion barn. Right. Uh, but you had to leave there. Then you got time you make your rounds around all the barns. You had the training barns, all the broodmare barns, and the horses were up. So you had to water all of them off and check on all of them and uh, do that clock. And that's one thing they, they cut down too. When we first started up there, they had the night watchman didn't do anything except night watch. Right. After you took the horses out, did you examine Aladar's stall? Yes. Okay. And did you see that the latch was fine? Yes. And you saw that the bracket was broken off. Yes. Did you ever see the bracket? Yeah. Uh -huh. I didn't look at that close. Like I say, we just kick it over out of the way to keep the horses from stepping on when we're going out. The next morning, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm asking you to assume this is true. Susan McGee calls Stanley Broughton into the office and says, I want this fixed now, meaning the bracket. Right. So Stanley's an employee. He's going to do what he's told. Right. I have no problem with Stanley. She then will not let, Susan will not let any of the insurance adjusters in to take pictures and faxes Tom Dixon a, a, a fax at 1 o'clock saying, okay to come in and take pictures, door fixed. Now, number one, you agree with me, there's no, no horses going in that stall that day. No. And in fact, it's a pain in the neck to fix the bracket that day because you guys have to take all the horses out while Stanley's doing it. Right. And you did that? Yes. So, what's it, four horses have to go out? Yes. And Stanley throws away everything? Yes. Do you not think that's unusual? With the magnitude of what had happened, you know, you'd look like they would want to, and, you know, insurance people would want to see what's going on, you know, how how this happened. Yeah. You know, why didn't they wait to do that? We met Stanley that. He said, I don't know. He said, I just told to fix it. That's what that's I'm right. doing. Most of the next day in the clinic we had to stay with Aladar because they had him hanging in that swing. Yeah. I was there the whole day right head right here and I was holding him. So were you there when he fell the second time? Yes. And I was holding the shank on him when they let him down. Yeah. Uh they were letting him down hoping he would stand still. Yeah. Yeah. He was just so tired. Yeah. From hanging yeah. in that thing all night long. Yeah. And uh, they came in and talked to him. Well Doc Wells even asked me about it. He said, What do you think? I said Doc Wells uh Brian Wells. Brian Wells. He was the, the vet at the farm at the time. I thought it was. I thought uh, it was. Uh, uh, no. It was. He uh, came in with them uh, that day. He worked with Bramlage and them. Okay. So and he said, "Can he stand up?" And I said, "I think he'd be, just let him have a little pressure on it, stand up." And that's what he did. And uh, then they, for some reason, they went on and dropped it out. Yeah. Completely out from under him, and he's, you know, as long as I stand there right beside him, he just stand there with his head on my shoulder, and. Uh, they said he's back up and you know let him, let him stand there, and I did. And I, I about took two steps back and he made a step forward me, 
and it just fell, and I mean, you you could clearly hear it pop. Yeah. I mean, it was just you know, sound you never forget. And I don't yeah. know how to explain it, but yeah. Were you there when they put him to sleep? Yes, sir. It's holding him down. Mm-hmm. Sad day. Yes, sir. How did this all affect you? I mean, it just tore me up because I mean, I like I like the horse and I like taking care of him, you know. And then you you knew he was more or less what was keeping the the farm surviving anyway. Yeah. Uh, everybody there knew that, you know. So, and it just you know it just like broke my heart when he when he standing there because I mean it's just like he come walking to me like you know don't don't leave me or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And then the next thing you know he's down on the ground and. You're trying to hold him and, you know, not, not to let him get up. And then they're sticking a needle in his neck. I mean, it's just like you, you lose one of your friends or something. Yeah. I mean, when he when he went over, that leg folded underneath of him. He flipped over, and that's when that broke. I mean, I had his head. His head yeah. didn't hit the floor. I mean, I had, like say, I had his head when, when he went down, and I just took his head and flipped it right back over his shoulder, trying, you know, trying to hold him down. And then once he relaxed, let him lay his head down. I mean, yeah. he... Whoever did this, they went in there, they knew, you know, we took care of them to them. They helped this horse while they did whatever they did. Yeah. I mean, that's my personal opinion. Yeah. This was no, this was no accident. Yeah. And I'll go to my grave saying that. You know, that brings us to the Sports Illustrated story where Bill Knack from Sports Illustrated basically said, and came out after the article saying that he thought Aladar was murdered. Well, they came out with an article titled Blood Money, and there's a sidebar on it, questions about Aladar. Can you give us some background about that? What led to this? So on the two-year anniversary of Aladar's death, the Sports Illustrated article comes out, and it comes out, and it's really talking about uh, killing show horses for money. Mm -hmm. And so that was the main article, but then there's a small sidebar article in which... They had, it's called Questions About Aladar, and they basically say, listen, we've talked to veterinarians, and none of them think that Aladar could, kick, could break his cannon bone kicking his stall door. And why that's important is that although Larry Bramley is talking about how Aladar got hurt, that he kicked through the door. Uh, before this article, that's all we have is we have Aladar kicked through the door from, doc, from Dr. Bramlage. What this article clearly shows is that the American public and everyone believe that how Aladar got hurt was he kicked the stall door. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that's what, if you look at the reports, that's what Lloyds of London paid this claim on, that Aladar kicked the door. That's it. There's no, he got his hoof caught or any other thing. It's just that. The significance of the article is then sometime after this article, Dr. Bramley is then interviewed by Steve Haskin who is another great turf writer. And it's in this interview that we first hear about this. He got his foot caught and fell down. And so to me, when I interviewed Dr. Bramage, I, I asked him, I said, you know, uh, for me, I'm, I'm seeing this first entanglement theory thing after this Sports Illustrated article. And he disagreed. He said that he had told other people that, but, that it hadn't, you know, but when I look at those articles, I don't see anything about it. So, so it's only after Sports Illustrated comes up with this 
uh, article with the sidebar and points out, I mean, in it, they say that such an injury is usually caused by a powerful blow, like being hit by a car. And it was only after this was published and this came out that Bramlage said, well, here's... That, I, wouldn't, I would say that it was, it was after this article that Bramlage expanded on what mm-hmm. he meant that Aldor kicked through the door. Because when you go to the trial, then you've got people all over the place saying, you know, yeah, we talked about it that night. And it's even in Tom Dixon's reports where he says... He says in his report to Lloyd's as, as sort of an aside, you know, nobody has ever seen Aladar get his foot caught in the between the door and the stall door and the wall, and there's no evidence of that and blah, blah, blah. So it implies they talked about it that night. Mm-hmm. So it's a very it was a very it's a very hard thing to pin down. And it's it's just a mystery how if in fact he did get his foot caught the way Dr. Bramlage says to Steve Haskin, how that never gets in as a factor in Tom Dixon's report, I don't know the answer to that. I can't answer that. Join us next time as we continue to look into the case and try to figure out exactly what happened the night of November 13th, 1990. And there's a lot more to come. There are a lot more interviews and more people that have a lot of interesting things to add to this mystery. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Broken, the Suspicious Death of Aladar and the End of Horse Racing's Golden Age. I'm your host, Denise. And I'm Fred, the author. This episode was produced by Ashley York and John Fee, mixed and edited by John Fee. David Amani is our production assistant, and I'm your host, Denise. And I'm Fred, and we'll see you next time on Broken, the podcast.